0: Thank you. My name is John Redmond from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. And I think you're really going to like today's program. We're going to be thinking about how to hear from God more clearly, how to hear from a God that we really can't hear from with our ears. God typically doesn't speak audibly to His children. Now, He can. In Bible times, He certainly did, and sometimes even today, God may choose to speak audibly. But as a general rule, God doesn't speak to us through our ears. God speaks to us down in our hearts. God speaks to us in our minds. God speaks to us primarily through His Word. The Bible is the main way that God speaks to us today, and God speaks to us through His indwelling Spirit. When we become Christians, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in our hearts, and many times throughout the course of a day, God's Spirit will just speak to our spirit and tell us, go here, go there, do this, do that. Sometimes God speaks to us through other people, through other believers. He'll give us a word of of insight or a, a word of wisdom, maybe a word of warning. Sometimes God speaks to us through circumstances that unfold. Now today, we're going to be thinking about two different ways that God speaks to us. and God may be speaking to you through one of these ways even now, and you've not even recognized it as God speaking to you. So as you listen to part of a sermon that I preached not too long ago, I hope that it will be a real blessing to you. Sometimes we hear His voice. Now this third one, you'd probably never thought about this. But sometimes we hear His voice when we're lying in bed. Have you ever thought about, that's when God speaks many times. Write this verse down, Psalm 63 and verse 6. David said, when I remember you on my bed... I meditate on you in the night watches. David was saying, when I get in bed at night, when I lay down and pull the covers up and got my head back on the pillow, looking up at the ceiling, David said when, he said, when I get in bed at night, one of the things I like to do is to think about God. One of the things I like to do is to be quiet. One of the things I like to do is to listen. I like to meditate on God during the night watches. I wish I could preach a whole sermon just on this verse about how God many times will speak to us when we're lying in bed at night. I want to encourage you. I I, I heard last week that it takes the average person 30 minutes to go to sleep once they get in bed. Now, I don't know if that's scientifically. Honestly, I was watching Family Feud, and that was one of the questions in the Fast Money Round. We interviewed 100 people. How long does it take the average person to go to sleep? Well, Steve Harvey said 30 minutes. So I don't know if that's scientific, but it was for those 100 people. And that, that sounds reasonable. That sounds about right. So there you are. You're in bed. You've got about 30 minutes before you're going to go to sleep. Something that I started doing some time back that has helped me to sleep better, because I'm not always a great sleeper, and also, it has helped me to hear from God. When I get in bed, I try to make it a practice. And I do have a TV in my bedroom. And most nights, I'll turn it on and flip through, see a ball game score or something before I go to bed. But I, most nights, before I turn the TV on, I'll just lay in my bed for about 20 minutes. And I don't let my mind think about everything I have to do tomorrow. Because if I start thinking about what I'm going to have to do tomorrow, that, makes my, that activates my mind, and sometimes I can't go to sleep. So when I'm laying in bed before I go to sleep at night, I review what I did that day. And I just say, now God, this morning I had this, and this afternoon I had this, and in the middle of the day I had this, and God, tonight, I," and I just kind of do a, a review of the day. And while I'm doing that mental review, I just thank God for how he led me here, how he helped me here, how he caused me to be at this place at just the right time. And so before I go to bed, I don't want to be thinking about tomorrow's responsibilities. Remember what Jesus said, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't don't worry about tomorrow. Keep your focus on today. So I just lay there and I think about everything I did. And I just review it. And I think, God, you were there, you were there, you were with me all the way. And there have been a lot of times at night before I go to bed, that God has spoken to me, that God has given me a thought, an insight, or something. And then I may watch TV for a few minutes. Sometimes I don't, and I'll just go to sleep. When I wake up in the morning... Now, I'm not trying to regulate how you go to bed and how you... I'm just telling you something I do that has been helpful for me. When I wake up in the morning, I'm not one of those people who just jumps out of bed, skipping, singing, drinking coffee, like, Oh, it's 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 a new day. Oh, thank God it's a new day. I have to come gradually into the day. I mean very gradually into the day. Like this 9.30 service is about to kill me, I'm telling you that. No, but I have, when I wake up, and you may have to set your clock a little bit earlier or get up a little earlier to do what I'm suggesting. I, try, I it, For me, I don't have to try, it just naturally happens. But I lay in bed or lie in bed for about 25 or 30 minutes before I get up. And when I'm, when I'm lying there, I always tell the Lord when I wake up how much I love Him. Thank Him for a good night's sleep. Pray He'll bless me on the day. But now I'll start thinking, okay, now, God, today I've got to do this. I've got to speak here. I've got to be here. I've got to write this. I've got to prepare that. I've got to meet with this family. And I just say, God, I'm asking you now to guide me and, and just lead. But sometimes when I'm laying there, I'm not even planning my day. I'm just laying there, and my mind is in neutral. I'm just, I'm not even, my mind's not even actively engaged in thought. And I've noticed this, when I put my mind in neutral, I'm aware of God, I'm meditating on God, but I'm not really just, I'm not necessarily trying to one, two, three, four, five, I'm just, I do a little bit of that, but then I just kind of go neutral in my mind. I cannot tell you through the years how many times God has spoken to me and given me sermon outlines, given me ideas. He has planned my day. He said, John, today, don't do this. You're planning on doing this. Don't do this. Do that tomorrow. Do this. He just, I just lay there in silence. And so when David said in this passage in Psalm 63, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, I can say with David, I, I do the same thing. And God speaks to me probably more in my bed when I'm lying there at night and in the morning even than he does when I'm having a quiet time. Or maybe not more, but in a slightly different way. It's just his spirit speaking to mine. So I would encourage you, when you go to bed at night, keep God on your mind. And just lay there and think about him for a few minutes. And when you wake up in the morning, don't just jump out and go into the day. I, w- would you have wanted me just to wake up this morning and, and just, just jumped in the shower and had a quick breakfast and, and be all nervous and rattled when, and when I came out here? No. You would want me to be more relaxed. And so... In order to be relaxed, we have to ease into the day. And then number four, we hear God's voice deep down in our hearts. The Spirit. Yes, we hear His voice when we read His Word. Yes, we hear His voice through other people and through unusual circumstances. Certainly, we hear God's voice when we're lying in bed. But we also just hear God's voice deep down in our hearts. He will speak to us. And we know that God has spoken. It's just like something will happen. And God through his Holy Spirit will give us a thought. He'll give us an idea. He'll give us just something in our minds and in our hearts. And we know that we've heard from God. I, heard, I read a story a few days ago that I thought was so very good. About, it's about a man named B.B. McKinney. And I think we have his picture because most of, most of us wouldn't be familiar with B.B. McKinney. But for many years he taught church music at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth Uh, after he he actually left there and went to become the associate pastor, assistant pastor at Travis Avenue Baptist Church in Fort Worth, which is, my dad was the assistant pastor there back in the 1970s. And so B.B. McKinney is a godly, godly man. And one of the things he did, he wrote a lot of hymns, a lot of the hymns that many of us grew up singing were written by B.B. McKinney. I read this story about his life, though, that I never had heard, and here's what it says. B.B. McKinney was at the top of his career when he traveled to the Alabama Sunday School Convention in 1936, the year uh, before the Heflin, Louisiana native was named editor for the Baptist Sunday School Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. At the convention, the author of such hymns as The Nail-Scarred Hand... Speak to my heart, let others see Jesus in you. And satisfied with Jesus, met with his good friend of many years, R.S. Jones. Mr. Jones had been a missionary in Brazil. As the two men visited and caught up over dinner, Mr. Jones revealed that his doctors would not allow him to return to South America due to his recent ill health. After a lifetime of serving God in Brazil, imagine how foreign a concept this must have been to the missionary. What will you do? B.B. McKinney asked his friend. I mean, you can't be a missionary. What are you going to do? And here's what the man said. I don't know, but wherever he leads, I'll go. When B.B. McKinney heard those words, he was unable to get his friend's words out of his mind. Before the convention session that evening, the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary Seminary alumni and faculty member had expanded his friend's words to write both the lyrics and the melody to the hymn, wherever he leads, I'll go. And so here's B.B. McKinney in Alabama having a conversation with a friend. Friend says, I can't be a missionary anymore. And B.B. says, what are you going to do? He said, I don't know, but wherever he leads, I'll go. They finish the conversation. McKinney goes back to his room, and he just gets, wherever he leads, I'll go. He couldn't get it out, wherever he leads, I'll go. He couldn't stop thinking about it, wherever he leads, I'll go. See, what was that? That was God speaking to him deep down in his heart. And it was a persistent thought. It wouldn't go away. Now, I would have thought that a hymn like that might have taken a month to write, to get the music just right and the words just right. No, McKinney goes back to his room. He sits down at a table or a desk. He gets out his pen. He gets out a a notebook, and he just writes down, The words that we have, many of us, grown up singing and that have ministered to us so much. Take up thy cross and follow me. I heard my master say. I gave my life to ransom thee. Surrender your all today. And then the chorus. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ. "...who loves me so, wherever he leads, I'll go." The song that many people have been saved to, the song that many people have made significant decisions to, was written by a man who heard those words, "...wherever he leads, I'll go." And God took that as a word from his friend, and the Spirit impressed it on his heart. And one of the greatest hymns in the history of the church that was written, in fact, last I was sharing that story with my parents last Sunday... And my mother told me a story that I had heard part of it, but I don't think I ever knew all of it. She said, you know, John, she said when I was about 12 or 13 years old, she said our church took a group of, of, of young people to, Ridgecrest, to the Ridgecrest Baptist Encampment in North, in, in North Carolina, near Asheville, North Carolina. And she said one night at the service, the preacher preached about making a decision for God, about surrendering your life to Jesus, about doing something that would count for him. And she said, by that time in my life, I was already saved. But she said, while the preacher was preaching that night, I felt like God, this is my mother, she said, I felt like God wanted me to be a missionary. And she said, the sermon got over and we stood up and we started singing. And she said, the song that we were singing, wherever he leads, I'll go. I said, what did you do? And she said, well, we were singing that first verse, take up thy cross and follow me. I heard my master say, I gave my life to ransom thee. Surrender your all today. She said, John, I walked right down that aisle. I said to that minister, I'm only 12 years old, but I think God is calling me into the ministry. I think God wants me to be a missionary. And today, tonight, I want to surrender my life to that work. I want to surrender my life to be a missionary. And she said, John, that minister prayed with me and encouraged me to go back home, share this with my parents, share this with my pastor, share it with my church. He said to me, now remember, you're young. You're only a, a little girl, 12 or 13 years old. God will clarify that. God will make that clear as you get older. But tonight, you've made the decision you felt like you needed to make. And, and she told me that. And when she said that the other day, I thought, you know, my mom, when she was 12, thought God was calling her to be a missionary. But at 12 years old, God was preparing her to be a pastor's wife. God was preparing her for the ministry. At 12, she couldn't interpret that and understand all that. But part of the reason I believe that God led my parents together, not only was He surrendering to the ministry, but long before they ever met in Asheville, North Carolina, at Ridgecrest, my mother came down and said, I want to surrender my life to God. And while she did it, the choir was singing. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'm asking you today, where do you feel God leading you? What decision do you feel God leading you to make? You know, if I weren't saved, I heard Adrian Rogers say one time, one of my favorite pastors, he said, sometimes I wish I were lost so I could get saved all over again. (laughs) Well, I don't, uh, he didn't literally mean that and I, I can't go that far, but I get the gist of what he was saying. You know, if I weren't saved today, we're fixing to sing wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll tell you one thing. If I didn't know for sure that I was saved today, whether I was sitting on the front row or the back or up in that balcony, I'd be down this aisle saying, today I want to give my life to Jesus. I, if I had a thousand hearts, I'd give them all to Jesus. If I, didn't, if I wasn't already in the ministry today, just knowing how I'm wired and what's in my heart, I guarantee you today I'd come forward and say, I want to surrender my life to God's work. I want to surrender my life to the ministry. I want to help people get saved. I want to do everything I can so that as many people as possible will one day end up in heaven. And I'm asking you today, where do you feel like God is leading you? Well, we're gonna have to stop right there for today. And you just heard me tell that story about my mom and how when she was about 12 years of age at a Baptist camp in uh, Asheville, North Carolina or near Asheville, Ridgecrest Baptist Encampment, my mother walked down to the front and surrendered her life to be a missionary. And I thought it would be a good idea today to have her in the studio with me. First, This is my mother. I'm introducing you now to my mom, Dottie Redmond. Mom, we're glad you're here today.
1: I am thrilled and honored to be here. Thank you.
0: Now, Mom, you heard me tell that story. Did I tell it just about right?
1: You Perfect. Did I? <laughs> I mean, you thought you would have been there.
0: Well, I, I've heard you tell that story, and it made an impression on me. Now, let's go back and revisit that because I think some of our listeners might be uh, blessed if we'll kind of get a little bit deeper into what happened to you you were 12 years of age what did you feel in your heart that night when that invitation was given
1: when the invitation was given it was just i had a really 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 fast heartbeat and i just felt like that god was calling me to be a missionary and so during invitation all i knew to do was just run to the front and with tears streaming down my face and speaking to the minister there and telling him what God had placed on my heart.
0: Now, Mom, had you thought about that before that night, or did that just kind of hit you out of the blue?
1: It, It just hit me. That week, Dr. Billy Graham had spoken uh, a couple of times, and it just sort of started building then. And then that night, I mean, it was just like, boom. It was just as clear as a day in July.
0: Now, when you went back to your home in Georgia, did you share that with your parents,
1: the decision you had made? Yes, I did, and with my pastor. And my pastor said, well, now, Dottie, that's a wonderful thing. He said, we will pray about this. And he said, I really feel that maybe God's calling you into a full-time Christian service, and it could or could not be a missionary. And he said, so I just want you to be open, and we're just going to pray about this.
0: So with the night on the night that you made your decision, you were just responding as best as you knew how as a young girl— to what you perceive to be the call of God in your life. Now, as you got into your teenage years and went through the remainder of your junior high and then into high school, was that something you thought about regularly?
1: All the time. All the time. All the time. All the time. And I would just pray, and I would say, God, if you'll just tell me. And I said, I know that you do not speak audibly. But this little red girl in Georgia needs to hear words. Would you please put words so I can hear them? And it never came. And I got really discouraged. I thought, well, maybe I misunderstood. Maybe I misread this. But I am just going to keep doing what my pastor told me. I'm going to keep going to church. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep seeking God. And then as I got older, I started uh, preaching. i uh, not preaching. I started teaching uh books in different churches in our association and i thought well maybe this is what god wanted me to do right here where i live but still there was une- an uneasiness in my heart that i either had misinterpreted or god had not called me
0: so you went through a time of confusion oh, there.
1: Yes, very much.
0: And did, did you have any uh, guilt maybe that you, God had called you to do, uh, be a missionary and now you're not being a missionary? Did you go through any of that? Oh,
1: yeah, I really did. Because in the meantime, I had just taken a secular uh, job uh, at Delta Airlines. And uh, it was just a wonderful life. But I kept thinking, as good as this is, I just don't feel like this is what God has really called me to do.
0: Now, let's fast forward just a little bit, Mom, to when you met uh, my dad, when you met your husband. Right, right. And then y'all got married. And when you married, he was not a pastor. He was in the uh, secular business world. Isn't that right?
1: Yes, he was. And do you know, we had had a couple of dates, and his grandmother had died, and so I went to her funeral. And when I got there, your father was standing out there greeting everybody. And God said to my heart, that man is going to be a preacher, and you are going to be his wife. And I said, but God, I don't I don't know him. I know who he is, but I don't know him that well. But God put that so clearly uh, on my heart. And we did get married, and he kept his secular job, and I kept my secular job. And so we just had a lot of conversations about his going into the ministry. And, of course, that necessitated starting back to college. Well, he was not really interested in doing that, which I can certainly understand it. But anyway, he did start back to college, and then he went to seminary. And the rest of the story is here we are.
0: Well, that's a great story. Now, let me ask you this. You're at his uh, his grandmother's funeral, my great-grandmother's yes, funeral. Yes, yes, And you see him there on the yes. the steps of a church?
1: Yes. Uh, no, it's the funeral home.
0: Okay, the funeral home, and you felt like God spoke to you and said, he's going to be a, a pastor, and you're going to be his wife. Now, let me ask you a question. Did you tell him that that no, night? No, no, I didn't
1: tell him. <laughs> because I,
0: knowing that, I think he may have run in the opposite direction. Listen, I'm Not was... necessarily about being your husband, he would have been happy, but about uh, being a preacher, I think that might have scared him to at that time.
1: You know, I thought your mind is really more confused than it ever was. You don't, you, you've had a couple of dates with him, but you don't even really know him. And you know, really, y'all are kind of sort of different. But anyway, it's God just told me that. And no, I never mentioned that to him, and I didn't.
0: And now y'all have been married for how many years?
1: 50? Fifty-four years. Fifty-four years. Fifty-four
0: years. <laughs> and you've been in the ministry for how many of those years? Uh fifty. 50 years, or really over 50. Yeah, well, yeah, about
1: 51. Now. Yeah, that's right, about 51. And
0: you've been serving the Lord, pastoring churches, and and not only has he been the pastor, but you've been right there with him as the pastor's wife in all the churches where you have served. And so, you know, Mom, when you told me that story, and of course, I know the end of the story. You were 12 years old in Ridgecrest. You, Ridgecrest, you couldn't see how the thing nope. was going to play out. I
1: had no idea.
0: But in my mind and in my heart, there's no question that at 12 years of age, God was calling you into the ministry— and God was calling you to be a pastor's wife, and at 12, you could never have understood that. Mm-hmm. You just knew that the Holy Spirit was speaking to you. Exactly. Now, there may be some out there today, Mom, who are listening to this conversation, and they're thinking, well, you know what? I feel like God's calling me to do something. Maybe there are some men out there, maybe some young men or maybe some older men, and they just feel like, you know, I think God maybe wants me to be a, a pastor or a preacher or a missionary, or maybe there are some girls out there listening or some ladies are thinking, well, maybe God wants me to work on a church or to, to do something in the Lord's work, but maybe it's not clear in their minds and they're not, they don't know how it's all going to work out. What would you encourage those people to do who sense the call of God on their life, but they don't know how that might flesh itself out?
1: I would say keep seeking His guidance, read your Bible regularly, pray regularly, be active in church— and it would be a good thing if you would maybe consult uh, with one of your ministers so that they could maybe pray with you. But don't let it just go away into the air. Do something about it. Stay connected to God and seek his guidance.
0: And mom, do you think it would be good advice to say to those people in that in that situation, surrender to, to, surrender to God? whatever you know to surrender. Oh, absolutely. In other words, just say, God, here I am.
1: Absolutely. The answer
0: is yes. I don't know what you want me to do, but God, I'm telling you even now, I'll do whatever you want me to yes. do. The answer is yes. yes. You yes. tell me what you want
1: absolutely. me to do. Absolutely,
0: 100%. And I, I do encourage you to do that today. I'm so thankful my mom was here with me today. She certainly made this my part of pleasure. the program a lot better. And, and we just you. want to encourage those listening today to to surrender your life to God as best as you can and as best as you know how. You know, God doesn't tell us at the beginning of a journey where the journey is going to lead or how the journey is going to end. We just don't know that. Now, we know if we're saved, the journey is going to end in heaven. We do know that much. But we don't know how God might use us or where God might lead us. But I just believe today if you'll say, Lord, the answer is yes. Now, you show me what to do. You show me where to go, but the answer is yes. And, friend, if you've never been saved, I can assure you that's God's will for your life. Would you just pray right now and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Friend, if you've prayed that prayer, God has heard you. Visit our website this week at peacebybelieving.org, peacebybelieving.org. Let us know of your decision. Let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks for listening, and God bless.